0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you have invited us into the very heart of the Trinity, that we might know your love and be changed by it and so reflect it to the world around us. So speak now that we might hear you and draw us ever closer to you, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So um, this week was kind of interesting in the news, wasn't it? I mean, there's, there's a war going on. Don't know if you heard about that. But what's more important? Will Smith slapped Chris Rock in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Every newscast. It was the slap heard around the world. And, um, I'm not, I don't want to say anything other than, did you watch the videos of this? There was a painful, awkward, stony silence that accompanied that slap. And then the comments that followed by Will Smith. It was, it was really awkward, right? It was hard to watch. 2,000 years ago, there was another event that took place in which there was a really awkward silence. It was a, a feast, a banquet, but it wasn't celebrating actors. It wasn't celebrating producers. It was celebrating Jesus and the new life he had given one particular family. They were having a party. And something really scandalous happened at that feast. But it wasn't a woman undoing her hair so she could anoint Jesus' feet with perfume. That wasn't the scandal. It was a thief criticizing it. This passage, uh, really, when we look at it, it can cause us to question, how are we to express our love and devotion to Jesus? How, what is an appropriate way to do that? Where are our eyes supposed to be when we do acts of service or or loving um, examples of just how much we love Jesus? Who determines what is good? And I think that this passage actually calls us to to consider the different characters at play and to say, where do I fit in here and how can I come closer? So let's take a look uh, at at this passage a bit more, more closely. I don't know if you've ever um, been asked the question, why did Jesus die? When I used to do tech, I had to do that talk at least, at least once. Several times I hated that question because I was like, well, I don't know. If you want to know why Jesus died, read John chapter 11. Why did Jesus die? Fear. Fear. The priests, the Pharisees, they were terrified because Jesus was a miracle worker. People were following him. If they kept following Jesus, they might actually become a threat to Rome. And then what would Rome do? They would crush Jerusalem. They would take away the temple. They would take away their nation. Yes, things weren't great under Roman occupation as it was, but it could be a whole lot worse. And so they were afraid, and they said it would be better for one person to die than the whole nation be wiped out. That's why Jesus was executed. At this point in Jesus' story, it felt like the whole world was turning against him. Jesus couldn't show up in public anymore. He was forced out into the wilderness. And yet, in in this very tense time, Martha and Lazarus and Mary wanted to throw a party and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the life you've given our family. Thank you for loving us the way you do. We want to honor you today. And that's where we find ourselves. Now, when I look at this passage, the thing I want to do is just skip right to the end and say, what did Mary do? That's a lot of money to pour on somebody's feet. I just want to jump right there, but we can't do that because there's so much more going on in this passage that we need to receive. And the first thing is we need to begin with Jesus. He's, on the, he's not on the run, but he's definitely pushed out of the public eye. And yet he wants to celebrate with his friends. He wants to be there to eat together. In Jewish culture, when you break bread together, you're sharing life together. It's a beautiful thing. And he wanted to be there talking with Lazarus. He was happy to have Martha host him. And he was even happy to have this crazy expensive offering of love poured out on his feet. What does this say to us? Jesus delights in your love of him. He loves it when you pray to him. He longs for that engagement, that, that interaction with him, with you. Your love for Jesus is a treasure to him. He didn't have to go to supper. He could have stayed out camping somewhere. As an introvert, that sounds a lot more appealing to me. But he was there, he was present, and he was receiving it and delighting in it. And that is true for our lives shared with Jesus. But in this passage, it goes from Jesus being there, this meal held in his honor, and then it turns to Lazarus. Now just think of this. Lazarus was dead. And Jesus gave him new life. I know that when I began to seriously follow Jesus, I experienced new life. I don't think it was as drastic as Lazarus' experience, but it was a life-changing thing. When I chose to follow Jesus. I just felt alive. And if you've lost someone that's important to you, that year of firsts is really rough, right? The first anniversary or or the first Christmas or the first Thanksgiving, that year of firsts is just everything is just a fresh opening up of the wound. And when you look at this family, that year of firsts was removed. And they had the fellowship with Lazarus. Now the way that they used to have uh, table fellowship at banquets like this, they didn't sit around a table like we did. They had a low table and then everyone would lay on their left side and they would eat with their right hand and their heads would be around the table and their feet would be further away, which probably had something to do with odor. (laughs) I'm I'm guessing. (laughs) These were farmers. They had sandals. Um, but that's how they ate. And when you think about Lazarus there, head to head with Jesus and the others around there, that's just a beautiful expression. Jesus is sharing this meal with Lazarus. They're sharing life together. They're conversing. They're celebrating. All of this is happening. How can we honor Jesus and show our devotion to him by appreciating the life we've been given and by sharing it with Jesus and engaging with him? In Ignatian spirituality, there's a type of prayer called the colloquy. And whether you're looking at a piece of, of scripture or something that went on in your day, you actually have a back and forth with Jesus. You, you say what was on your mind. You wait and listen. Then you respond. And it's just a back and forth. It's like a conversation. That's what Lazarus is doing. It's a wonderful thing. And then we move on to Martha. Now, I've preached on this before. This is one of my pet peeves is when people say, well, you gotta have some Marthas in the church to do the work. You can't all be Marys just sitting there praying, doing nothing. Don't like that interpretation of that passage because it's not that Martha was doing the work. It was that Martha was distracted and upset And she wasn't focused on the right things. Her working was was a blessed thing. She is not chastised in this this passage for serving people at all. And when you think about it, what is Martha doing? She's facilitating encounters with Jesus. Her actions are being used to help people engage Jesus. What's a way that we can reflect our, our gratitude and our devotion to Jesus? By using our giftedness to serve him. I think if you're a plumber, you're plumbing for Jesus. (laughs) If you're like a computer programmer, you program, you write code for Jesus. Whatever it is you do, our heart's desire is for people to encounter Jesus through our actions. Martha is at peace here. She's joyful here. She's celebrating here and she's enabling people to connect with Jesus. Incredible. And then we get to Mary. <laughs> the beautiful action here with Mary is, 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 she's just, her eyes are on Jesus. She's filled with, her vision is filled with Jesus. And in polite company in, in this period in Jewish history, women would not uncover their hair. Right, they would have it all tied up, they'd probably have it covered. Because the hair was the crown of a woman. It was her glory. And she didn't share it with just anyone, but only those with she, which she was truly intimate. But with Jesus she let down her hair, and she poured that perfume of that costly perfume on his feet and started to wipe her hair to, to wipe his feet with it. This just points to me to what Revelation talks about when we all take our crowns and we throw them at the feet of Jesus and saying, All glory and honor, everything belongs to you. That's where every bit of glory and honor belongs. Mary is here saying, Jesus, you are in our midst and I want to give you everything. And her sincere worship fills the house. The fragrant offering, it transforms the atmosphere. How do we display our love for Jesus and seek to honor him and express our gratitude? We worship. We're not concerned about what other people think. We, we focus on him. When I was a kid, uh, I, I was raised at Stone Church in St. John, and, and there was these crazy folk there. And we'd have a praise set, and they would start raising their hands. And I was like a kid thinking, okay high five i i don't i didn't really get it but i was too shy to appreciate it and there was a guy there named george who was more shy than i was and one day i looked over and to my shock george had his hands up in the air eyes closed worshiping so afterwards i i kind of was like what's the deal man i thought we had an arrangement where we didn't raise our hands and it would be okay and he uh he was just he laughed it off and he said Jesus freed my hands. I was in his presence. I, I, I forgot anyone else was around, and I was free to worship Jesus. That's what Mary is doing. Her, she's just so filled with the presence of Jesus that she's just acting out of pure love. She's cast her crown at the feet of Jesus, and she's saying, I love you. You are worth all of me, and I give it to you. King David had an experience like this too. Do you remember that story? They were bringing the ark into Jerusalem and he stripped out his off his kingly robes and he leapt and he danced before the procession as the ark was brought into the city. And he got home and his wife Milka, she said, well, you've given the maid something to talk about. Good job. And he said, what? I was dancing before the Lord and I will become even more undignified than this. Because God filled his vision. When Jesus is, is central in our vision, what happens is that it pours out into other expressions in our life uh, and, it, and it just transforms everything. Is anybody here like good with theft? Like it's, it's an okay thing? I bet you I can convince you that there's one instance in which theft is a good thing. Do you believe me? Two words, Ukrainian farmers. <laughs> Ukrainian farmers have been stealing tanks and other big, you know, things from the Russians and bringing it back home to Ukraine. Is that theft good? Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> That's not really theft, though, if it's meant for a higher purpose, surely. I've got to say, with all the bad news coming out of there, I, I just every time I see one of those updates, I laugh. And I'm so delighted in that. But Judas wasn't stealing for a higher cause. He was stealing for himself. Here's where the scandal comes in. These beautiful expressions of worship are just drug through the mire when he said, I don't like what she's doing. I don't like what she's doing. That, that could have been sold, that night. It could have been sold and it could have, the money could have been given to the poor. But he didn't care about the poor. He cared about himself. He didn't care about Jesus. He cared about what Jesus could do for him instead of what he could do for the Lord. And so this is the scandal. This is where things turn from this intimate and beautiful moment into a conflict. Um, and you know, every, every argument I've ever seen in a church has to do when um, we stop having Jesus as our common goal and a desire to honor Jesus. You cannot have a pink carpet in the nursery. And I'm leaving because I hate pink, right? Things like that. It's just, if we are all very concerned with the honor of Jesus, these other little things, they just sort of fade away. They're still there, but they're not enough to, to divide us and to, uh, to stop us from honoring Jesus. Judas was there for himself. He had no peace. He was consumed with his appetites. And that's, that's the reality of it. That's the heartbreak. When Jesus responds, though, it's just beautiful. Leave her alone. Back off. And she, he interprets her actions in, in a different way. This isn't just her anointing my feet, It's her preparing my body for burial. And he's prophesying here. He's saying, I'm going to die in such a way that you're not going to get a chance to properly take care of my remains. You're not going to get the chance. But she's doing it now. Let her do it. Let her have this. And he does. He defends her. He wants that kind of worship, that kind of devotion. And then he goes on to say, you will always have the poor among you. That opportunity to bless the poor That's going to be there for a long, long time, as we know. And you do it in my name. But what I am about to do is good news for the poor. It's good news for this fallen world. And Jesus is worth our devotion and our thankfulness for what he has accomplished already. How do we express gratitude and love for Jesus? We remember the life he has given us, and we remember that he's he 's invited us into this this kind of this kind of new living experience where we share life with him. We give out of our giftedness, we have our eyes filled with him. I want to close with a story today um, that uh, this this story means a lot to me um, when I was doing the safe harbor thing and we were trying to build a shelter. Um, this story kept coming up. It's about a saint named Lawrence. Um, he was the archdeacon of Rome during a really heavy time of persecution. There is an edict put out by the emperor saying every clergy person needs to be arrested so they can be executed. All the church property needs to be confiscated and given to the state. And the pope made Lawrence an archdeacon to take care of the poor with the resources that the church had. That's what their job was. Not a great time to do that. The Pope was executed, um, and then Lawrence was arrested. And according to the story, Emperor Valerian um, interviewed uh, Lawrence and said, I want all of the church's treasure, and I want it now. And Lawrence was like, we don't have a whole lot of treasure. And he goes, I will give you three days to get the treasure together. So he released him and Lawrence got to work. He took all the the vessels from the church and he sold them. And he he had all the money he had and he gave it to the poor and he said, would you please come with me to the emperor's house (laughs) or wherever they interviewed him. And they admitted him in three days' time and Lawrence processed in and behind him were prostitutes, were the lame, the crippled, the sick, the poor. They all came in after him. And the the, the, uh, emperor said, what is this? And Lawrence said, I present to you the treasure of the church. If we begin with addressing the poor without having the love and gratitude of Jesus filling us, we become embittered and empty, cynical. But if we respond to the goodness of Jesus, what happens is that we are empowered by the heart of Jesus through the Holy Spirit and we can carry on trusting that he has done a great work and will continue to do this great work. We're entering Holy Week next week. We're going to enter into this narrative and I want to encourage all of us to say, Jesus, what did you accomplish in that week in your passion? Did you truly think of me? And invite him to show us how we can truly express our thanks and love. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you. We acknowledge you as our Lord. And we pray to you that you would so fill us with your Spirit that we could reflect your nature to the world around us and so bring glory to the Father. We ask that um, in our moments of darkness and doubt where we question, could you really love me, even me, we pray that you would move and reveal your love for us so that we might be empowered to be the blessing you've called us to be. In Jesus' name do we pray. Amen.